Welcome to the Two Grumpy Bastards Podcast, where feelings aren't felt and snowflakes melt. Buckle up, it's gonna be a bumpy ride. These confines with a monarch's voice cry havoc! city steps. You insult my queen. You threaten my people with slavery and death. Oh, I've chosen my words carefully, Persian. Perhaps you should have done the same. This is blasphemy. This is madness. Madness. This is Sparta! They painted over ants. How you doing, my friend? Good. It's been a little bit. It's been a little bit. It's mainly due to my fault. I've been uh, either uh, with a bunch of flat tires or up in the woods where I can't get signal or some other excuse or trying to catch fish that I'm not catching and salmon rivers here in Washington. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm but your, your dog is catching the fish. Yeah, he's catching the fish. Yeah, Huckleberry. Uh, Managed to roll in a probably a I'm, I'm guessing a nice king salmon size carcass that must have been at least four or five days old that he rolled in. It was it was the worst smell I've ever smelled in my life, Russ. It was as I have described it on Facebook as if a third world country had a mermaid brothel. That's what he fucking smelled like. So instead of going to our our beloved campsite that I had about four hours away, I spent the next three hours going to Safeway, tying him up to a tree in the woods so he wouldn't get in my truck, going to Safeway, getting some degreaser and some other stuff, palm olive and everything else, and scrubbing him down about six times, and and then making him getting into the Puyallup River about uh, six times as well. It was disgusting. It was... I, I I have been through a lot of bad smells, as I'm sure you have. But growing up, you know, in country bumpkin land, like I did on a farm in, in timber country, probably even more so. Youths was indescribable. It was indescribable, and was he it, was really he was really happy with himself. Was the thing he's like, dude? Oh, I'm sure he was. Daddy, was I, the, daddy, was I did the end this. of the world as you knew it. Yeah, end of the world as we know it. As as uh, the immortal REM uh, led into this thing. You know, that was right at the cusp when REM was still pretty good before they went completely commercial. But 
But I think yeah. it kind of describes the state of affairs here. Uh, good old REM, which I which I hope everybody knows that song. If not, please pull some stuff down on iTunes or whatever you listen to. It, re- it reminds me a little bit of um, the Billy Joel song, uh, We Didn't Start the Fire. Yeah. Because basically it just lists off a whole bunch of really shitty things that have been going on and talks about how it's all the end of the world. And it's very apropos to what's been going on over the last month or so. Um, it's just, I, I like the beat. There's not a, there's not a great deal of, you know, musical component to it, but it's, it's one thing right after the other, right after the other, right after the other, until you're about, about ready to, you know, rip what's left of your hair out. Right. You know, the thing that I always loved about REM, especially in their days before they got commercially popular was Michael Stipe was a good lyricist. There was always, and even, you know, I have a hurricane, you know, the way they could, they could kind of jumble it. It, 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 it was a multi-genre approach. I was a big fan of REM right from Jump Street uh, back in the early 80s before they got really popular. I, and I was really shocked. I remember I was listening to ESPN one time and I got to ask, I, I can't remember. I haven't I haven't watched ESPN in so long because it's a it's a leftist uh, nest show, yeah. dumb show. But what was the name of the uh, was it Kenny Maine? Who is the yes. really funny dude? And I yeah. remember, I remember him like one of his catch lines was "Take a break, driver eight, which is kind of an obscure song of REM. <laughs> when, uh, and I remember when I was watching, you know, ESPN back in the day, he said that I'm like, oh my god, the guy likes the guy likes classic REM. Of course, ESPN's become a wasteland of leftism and bullshit. I don't even watch it unless unless there's a specific game on. Right. I don't watch any of the shows on ESPN anymore. Well, and, and then if you get a specific game on, you normally get, I can't remember, who's that Husky voice chick who does the college football that's terrible? Oh, I have no idea. Blah, really blah, 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 blah. Yeah, there's there's certain commentators I'll listen to, but uh, yeah, fuck. I prefer, I prefer FS1 if I'm going to watch sports commentary. I'll, I'll either watch uh, First Take or I'll watch uh, The Herd with Colin Coward. Yeah. I get it. And I think Colin Coward's an asshole, but at least it's it's listenable. And yeah, but but he's and he's he's, he's very, from up here, by the way. I don't know if you knew that he's from a beach town out here called Westport, Washington. I, I did not know that, but I like him because he's he's very unapologetic in his views. He's very analytical, but he's unapologetic. Sometimes he holds views that I don't agree with. Sure. Um, but I, I like the fact that you could have a discussion with him and he's he does not apologize for the views that he holds. Um, he, and he's very well versed in what he what he knows. So I, I do appreciate that aspect of my, now I could do with less Joy Reid. I think Joy Reid is starting to uh, walk uh, the side of the plane. Uh, uh, uh. Um, I, I think I'll be honest. I, I think that she's, you know, a pretty well built woman. I mean, I, I do like that aspect, but some of her <laughs> some of her stuff that I think she's walking the left side of the plank. Um, you think? All this stuff sometimes. And that's that's really turned me off with listening to to her commentary. Joy, Joy Reid Joy Reid is a disaster. She's a she's a Biden apologist. She's a leftist piece of shit. Oh, she I was like, out there. Everybody says, "Oh, go get woke, go broke." I'm like, "Yeah, you you moron. You know, that's one of the reasons why the NFL and NBA ratings are down." Yeah. No, no kidding. No kidding. And the, you know what? I I just I just did some research on this uh yesterday when I was sitting in my beautiful camp in uh Mayfield, Lake Washington. That would be my phone. Sorry. How unprofessional. <laughs> you are a popular person. I am not. Uh, I try to be as unpopular as I possibly can. But uh, 
I need what to test. Jesus Christ. Hey, based on my childhood and the folks that know me, I will be able to give you tips on how to be unpopular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that's just people that I owe money to. So I'm just going to be like, yeah, yeah go fuck <laughs> Um, yeah, so let's let's get into a little bit here. Um, I'd love to talk about Joy Reid and all this stuff all day long. There's so much going on. The world is in such chaos. Let's talk about we 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 planned on doing a, a show on September 11th or prior to and about it, but I'm kind of glad we didn't. To looking back, because um, I did not bother watching the ceremony that our uh. Our hegemon, our monarch, our dictator, Biden, presided over. I could not stomach the idea of listening to his comments. And I was surprised they even floated him out there after what happened in Afghanistan. And we talked about that in a couple of podcasts. But um, what you, you have some thoughts real quick, just in retrospect of September 11th. And we 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 bypassed a huge milestone in American history and, and knowing where we were then and knowing where we are now. Heartbreaking to me, uh, disgusting to me. Um, yeah. I, I couldn't watch this guy, the fact that he's commander in chief and that he's in charge of anything. Like I put out on Facebook a couple of weeks ago, if this is somebody you still support, I have nothing for you. I got nothing in my heart for you. I got no intellectual support, emotional support, or anything else for you. If this is somebody you support or his administration. I think some of his support is based on the people just voted for him and are emotionally invested and not wanting to be wrong. Um, yeah. I've run into that with several people in my own life. They, they, uh, some folks I know have have tried to apologize for him with what I believe to be his declining mental faculties by telling me, well, you know, he's a stutterer, right? I'm like, yeah, I know he's a stutterer, but that doesn't mean that he should be forgetting the name of the Australian prime minister during their joint news conference. Right. Um, but anyway, getting to September 11th, um, some historical perspective from my part. Um, when the planes hit the world on September 11, 2001, I was a company commander in the 101st. I was a headquarters company commander in the 101st. I, uh, I finished physical fitness, PT, um, physical training, and went back to my apartment, which is about 20 minutes away from Fort Campbell, because I just like to be able to get back to my own apartment, you know, shower in my own shower. I would usually watch either Sports Center or, you know, one of the news shows as I'm, as I'm getting ready. Uh, just kind of chill, relax, get caught up on the day's events. Well, I'll remember I was switching back and forth between Sports Center and Fox News, and they were covering what they believed initially to be a private, a small private plane had hit the first World Trade Center. You know, that's uh, you know, oh my God, that's a tragedy. I heard that too. On, I heard that too. Yeah, we didn't know that it was a terrorist attack yet. And then, as I just switched back over from Sports Center, the second plane hit the World Trade Center. Um, and they were all like, okay, this is obviously deliberate. Something's going on. Um, I remember going, oh shit, now things are bad. I got dressed in record time and I probably went about 85 miles an hour covering the distance between my apartment and Fort Campbell in about eight minutes. And I did that because I knew they were going to close post soon. All the gates were still open. Fort Campbell is a mostly closed post or it was a mostly closed post this is back in the days when you know i'm sure fort hood was somewhat open fort bragg was yeah. definitely an open post yeah fort hood was wide open yeah um and so but fort campbell was a 
theoretically closed post. What they had was they had an MP at each of the gates. They still had a fence around the posts. They had an MP at each of the gates. And all they really did was look to make sure your sticker, your red or blue sticker was on your car and they waved you on in. Right, so, right. I mean, it really right. wasn't an impediment. <clears throat> I got through gate six about five minutes before they closed the gate and were basically they shut down post. And as I got back to my company area, my XO uh, who unfortunately was killed by a, a car bomb. We called it a V-bed um, in Iraq uh, when he was a company commander. But my ex at the time, a guy named Jay Harding, greeted me at the door and said, sir, have you seen what's going on? Um, they, they just had something hit the Pentagon. Um, and the rumors were really flying at this point. The, it wasn't just a plane hitting the Pentagon. There were rumors of a car bomb outside the State Department. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, they were talking about evacuating the White House. We didn't know what was going on with other planes in the air. I remember when I heard that they had shut down air travel across the United States. Uh, the, the interesting thing about that, I really believe that that prevented more terrorist attacks because I don't believe that the terrorists went four for four and grabbing planes. I think they were they had other planes to grab. There was even a report of some folks in St. Louis, I think it was, that were you that know, sounds right. Yeah. Middle Eastern men that were very upset that their flight got canceled and then they disappeared into the crowd. Now, that could have been something. It could have been nothing. I don't know. But I still that do not right. believe that they went four for four. Um, so we closed post and we didn't know what was going on. Um, I remember I had soldiers that night patrolling the housing areas on base with live ammunition, which just was kind of a little bit freaky. Um, I managed to leave base that night about 8.30. They had just opened up gate one. Most everybody was able to get out through gate four, but the wait to get uh, off post out gate four was about two hours. So I went out gate one, which took me a long way around to get back home. Uh, and it I mean, it took me an hour to get home and normally it would take me 20 minutes, but the gates were closed. But it was, it was worth it to be able to get out of a gate that was flowing. Um, I got back home. There must have been a dozen messages on my machine, everybody from my parents to friends to an old girlfriend of mine wanting to know what was going on. I called about a few of them back as I could. Hold on. I I don't believe you. I don't believe you about that. An old girlfriend called you. Yes, she did. Bullshit on that. You can go bullshit if you like. (laughs) Um, But we had, we had just broke, we had broken up. I don't know nine months previous on pretty good terms. It was one, it was one of the few girlfriends I ever had. I and mean, I didn't have that many. Um, that's, that's, that was kind of my question there. It was kind of like, yeah, okay. No, I didn't have, I didn't have a mini. This was one of the, this was one of the few that I actually made a move on. <laughs> um, but um, anyway, I, I told them, Hey, I don't know what's going on. I, I remember my, my dad's message on my machine was Russell. He's one of the only people that called me Russell, him, my mother, and maybe my grandmother, everybody else calls me Russ. Um, it was, uh, Russell, I know you're not there and I don't expect to hear from you anytime tonight. When you get the chance, give us a call. So I gave him a call to, under, to let him know that they weren't about to load me into a C-130 and drop me on top of the target right now. Um, right, watch right. the president's speech that night. I said, no, I listened to the president's speech in the car on the way home. And then, uh, the funny, well, wasn't funny at the time, um, about two in the morning, um, some private in the brigade we were attached to got a, a weird message that he didn't understand. Um, it was an Intel message and he ended up calling an alert for the entire brigade. So I got a phone call for an alert. I figured 
you know, cause we were, I was in the 101st, we were part of the 18th airborne Corps. you know, 18 hour recall, you know, you can get move, go anywhere in the world. And I figured, okay, we're going to help with the, the cleanup in New York. Um, so I made it to base about two twenty to two thirty, when, and the, the main gate, gate four was open. There was an MP there. They were searching your cars, but there was nobody going in at two 30 in the morning. As I got to my office, the alert had been canceled. So I just slept in my office for the rest of the day. And then I remember lines outside of post were uh, about six to seven hours to get on base that right. day. Already on base. Right. Um, I think our national unity lasted what? 10 days. Yeah. Maybe. About 10 days. Well, maybe a little longer to be, to be fair. To be maybe, fair. but not much longer. Um, no. Mostly because it was George W. Bush. Um, and I still contend that it was not the 2012 or 2016 elections that broke the country. It was the 2000 election. And the reason I say that is because it was so close. The VNS had called Florida, despite the panhandle voting sites not being close. Hanging chads and the whole nine yards. Yeah, that broke the country. That, that's what sent the country into a partisan spin it has not recovered from. Um, yeah. So that's why the, that's one you, of the reasons. You know what? Just, just to interrupt you right quick. I, you, you said that several podcasts ago, and I never thought about it. I disagreed with you mentally at the time. I didn't challenge you on it. But more that I, the more that I think about that, the more that I actually agree with you. I think that's, I think that's some solid analysis. Yeah. I, it's just, that was, I mean, you got to remember, all the elections when we were growing up were pretty, uh, pretty one-sided. Even pretty one-sided. 70, even the election of 76 when Carter beat Ford, even though it was close, mm-hmm. Carter still won the popular vote. There was no dispute right, uh, right. as to what was going on. Um, so going back, I'd say the closest election you'd have to go to would be the, the election of 1960 between Nixon and Kennedy. And even then, Nixon gave up basically that night. So 2000, it just went on forever. And people got so ingrained in their, in their, part, in their partisan politics. Yeah. I think that's I a solid analysis that I, that I never thought of. And I'm, I'm glad you introduced that into my lexicon. Right. Yep. Nope. Good. Um, anyway, the, the rest of September 11th, I remember one of my lieutenants, actually, he became my XO when I took over a rifle company before the invasion of Iraq, a guy named Eric Scheman, one of the top three officers I have ever served with in my life, just an outstanding officer. Um, he was uh, coming back from a training area. Uh, I think it was called the Greenville training area up in Kentucky. Um, he was going like 100 miles an hour. He and one of his buddies to get back to base. A cop pulled up alongside him with his uh, lights on. He just took his military ID, stuck it on the window. The cop got in front of him and escorted them the rest of the way to Fort Campbell. Nice, nice. Um, we, like I said, we we strung concertina wire throughout base. Um, I remember that there were some stories about supposed profiling because the news media has got to be divisive because that's what they do. They said we had profiled uh, this one dude who I cannot remember the guy's name to save my life. Um, they said uh, the MPs at Fort Campbell had arrested uh, an Arab American uh, Muslim man from Clarksville. This is an example of profiling. And my dad asked me about it. And I said, well, you know what the news story failed to mention? The news story failed to mention that he was caught in between gates three and four trying to climb the fence the day after September 11th. Yeah. So maybe that had something to do with why they arrested him. Probably. Um it said the soldiers stayed in, in full body armor and live rounds on base for about two weeks. 
the some of the battalion I was in got sent up to Indiana to guard a nerve agent site. For those who don't know, we were in the middle of destroying all of our chemical weapons. We used to have a policy. We had the policy of we reserve the right of first use of nuclear weapons. We will reserve the right of retaliatory use of chemical weapons, and we will not use biological weapons. And then we said well, we're going to get rid of all our chemical weapons. The uh, the chemical weapons we were sent to destroy up in Indiana was VX. Coop, I know you're very familiar with VX. Very familiar, yes, sir. Know the bio- biology behind it and everything else, yes, sir. Very, very nasty. You get a drop on your skin, you're dead. Yep. Um, and so we had folks sent up there as they were finishing destroying that because there were rumors that folks were going to come in and try and blow it up and send a cloud of VX all over the Midwest. Um, and then that basically led to intense training as we knew what was coming. I said the, our national unity lasted for a couple weeks and then people started backbiting again. And September 11th defined my military career for the next, what, uh, 18 years. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's my initial take on September 11th. There are some things, ancillary things related to it. I remember seeing the uh, folks jump out of the windows yeah. um, and just a quick aside, um, to show how much Facebook sucks. I was going to say this for hot topics, but I'll just bring it up now. Um, I've been on a seven day Facebook ban since last Saturday. Um, and the reason was because I posted uh, something to my Facebook page. It was a link to a, an article that came out of a website I like called Listverse. Uh, Listverse usually just has top 10 whatevers and it's random topics. Uh, this was top 10 harrowing stories of the jumpers of 9-11. And one of the images was that famous image of a guy face, you know, head first jumping out of the yeah. window. Yeah. And Facebook decided I had violated. It's a, it's a, ter- it's a terrifying photo. It's a terrifying yeah, I, photo. It haunts me. I put me. that on there because that, to me, that embodied 9-11. People were so desperate based on the fire and the inferno that they were willing, they, they knew they were going to die. And they jumped out of the top stories of one of the tallest buildings in the world um, to, uh, to get out of the fire. Yep. And Facebook thought that was too much because they're a bunch of <laughs> fascistic idiots. Um, uh, leftist pussy pieces of shit. Yes. Got it. Idiots. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. But I think those jumpers are what we should all be remembering on September 11th. The jumpers, the towers falling, um, trying to innocent, get air cover over New York. People that were just trying to make a living going to work and, and Yeah. This this country has no idea. You know, here's the thing, Russ. People that are seniors in high school now have no idea of what September 11th really was. You know, um, I uh, I can tell you a couple of memories that I have of September 11th, and and I won't get to it as detailed as you because I was not in the army at the time. Well, I was. I was in the army reserve. I had gotten off of active duty. Uh, probably, I don't know, two years before, because I was really sick of it, of what I was doing. And I was working for a Fortune 500 company. And I heard I heard, I heard, heard it on my way into work on the radio, of all things, listening to Mark and Brian, the Southern California uh, comedy duo down there on KLS. Um, but uh, rather than get really wrapped around the axle, what happened... Uh, and just a little bit of short time in my life is that I got uh, I got called back into active duty, um, which I was happy to do to get the fuck out of corporate America <laughs> and go and go fight what I thought was a just war. But 
I, I think my 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 two recollections are going to be a little bit more mirthful than yours. Um, well, not the first one. I, I remember, I remember, you know, before I got called back on active duty, that was the year. Sounds ridiculous, but go with me on this. The Mariners won 116 games that year. Um, we don't have a. Yeah, we don't have a lot of success up here with the Seattle Mariners. So it was a big deal. And I remember when they captured the pennant like 30 games out because they were that good that year. Mark McLemore, who was this utility guy that played a lot of positions right after that, grabbed the American flag and planted it on the pitcher's mound. That's when I finally bawled my eyes out. I I don't know why that hit me so hard. It wasn't all that, but just thinking about those 3000 people and, and all that. And then I was like this intimate, you know, this impotent rage that I had and all that. And when he planted that, that flag on the, on the, on the, and so when people think, why do I react? So, so vehemently against like kneeling in professional sports and stuff like that. I intimately remember Mark McLemore putting that goddamn American flag on the pitcher's mound to commemorate nine one one, just a few days after it happened, after the Mariners captured the pennant, and it meant so much to me, and it just captured me. I, I will tell you the fun. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story that happened as a result of nine one one. When I did get activated, and I went back into the active duty army uh, to fight the war, OEF, OIF, and I spent the rest of my career in the army after that. Um, yeah, one of the funny things that, okay, so you were talking about the security. We weren't used to going on base where, or on post, I should say, bases for wieners in the Air Force and Navy. <laughs> we have posts in the in the real military. Just kidding, all my friends in the Air Force and, uh, and Navy. Both um, of them. Both of them. So going on post, they really clamped down on the security. And you're right. I mean, even even after a few months or even a year later, it was, you know, it was very, very intense security getting on post and all that kind of thing. So, you know, this as well as I do as an officer, these MPs that are like E4s, E5s, they like to kind of think that they have a big dick as mm-hmm. an MP at the post, especially because they can kind of mess with you a little bit. Right. We've we've all been through that as cadet. We all went through you. You and I went through advanced camp slash warrior forge where, you know, they were taking shots at you because it's their last chance as a cadet or, you know, I'll never forget the E5 at Fort Bragg who was doing that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so there was a there was a particular E4 at Fort Lewis, Washington. And I will say it. I have no idea if he's still alive or whatever, but his he was specialist Johansson. I'll never forget this guy. So every time I would stop, he saw me every day, but he would give me shit. Like, hey, sir, you need to pull over. I was like, what do you mean I need to pull over? And I had my Jeep Cherokee, same old Jeep Cherokee. And uh, they would go through my car, right? And they'd give me the once over and it'd take me another 10. I was like, I need to get to work, specialist. You don't understand. Well, sir, you don't understand. You know, he gave me that authority versus rank speech once. And so, you know, I put up with it for like three times. So, so that, so I had a good idea. This is a true story. So, uh, and there's a second part to the story that's even better. So there's a, there's a, there's a store for those of you in the Pacific Northwest that do the I-5 corridor in, in, in Tacoma that was called White Castle or not a Castle Superstore, which was like a sex store. 
<laughs> so I went in there one day and I, I already see where this is going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I bought a bunch of dildos and other sex toys, lube, whatever. I put it in a big box in the back seat of my Cherokee. And uh, I knew he would see that box and he would have me go into the inspection lane over to the right. And so they they popped it open and there's all these dildos <laughs> and lube in my back seat. And he's looking at me like, oh my God. I'm like, what? What? Is that is that contraband? Can I bring these on post? I was acting all, I, I literally spent like a hundred bucks on sex toys that I would that I burnt in my campfire the next day, right? <laughs> and so true story. So literally, let's see, that was probably what was that? Oh three? Yeah, that's probably oh three. Fast forward like eight years later. Uh, I have an MP that's working for me. He's a E7, I think. And I start telling the story. And he goes, holy shit. Are you the captain with a backseat full of dildos? I was totally there. I was his boss. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yes. Yes. He remembered me eight years later as the guy that had the balls to put a box full of dildos in my backseat just to fuck with that specialist who wanted to pull me over and, and, and look at my backseat. So I'll leave that as my September 11th story just to put that little bitch in his place. Cause you know how that works sometimes, you know, I got, you know what? I've had a lot of MPs work for me in my career for some reason. Awesome. 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 Soldiers. They're, they're fucking squared away. Just one of the best MOSs that I've ever worked with, frankly, as far as just soldiers, they do, they, they do what they're told. They're awesome. They're professional. They're, they're detail oriented, but that little punk needed a comeuppance and his comeuppance was a box full of dildos in my backseat. I will. Well, I think, you know, just like most police are awesome. Right. Um, you, you do get the occasional guy who's, you know, been on the force for eight months Finally, he's got some power and he's going to he's going to demonstrate what he can do. Uh, so I've, I've seen a few MPs like that. Um, not many. I, I'll never forget the career course in 1999, the night before graduation. The MPs were just itching to find uh, infantry officers who had uh, were drinking and driving under the influence. Oh, sure. And I don't drink. I mean, I, I can count the number of times I've. I've had drinks. I, I, I rarely ever drink. You've had that conversation online here. Yep. 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 Um, so one of them, the number of times I drank in a day. <laughs> well, um, so I'm heading back to the uh, <laughs> bachelor officer quarters and this with one of my buddies, a guy that we both know who passed away, you know, a year and a half, year and a half ish ago named Brian Anderson. Yes. Um, yes. Um, he, we, uh, so I'm heading back. The MPs pull me over because that's just what they were going to do. I pull into the park. I forget. I pull into the parking lot, turn on my dome light, have my hands on the steering wheel. Like I'm supposed to, as they start to come up, I roll down my window and putting in the, that infantry command voice is like, what's up guys. And they could tell I went, they're like, Oh, uh, sir, we, we thought maybe your, your brake lights were out, but they seem to be working. Um, have a nice night. And that was the end of that. Well, um, a couple of them, like I said, they, they wanted, they wanted to see what they could do, but, you just gotta you be polite and respectful, but understand that you know as long as you haven't done anything, they don't really have much authority. Yeah, back in the day, and I and I, I did not get this later in my career, but back in that day, it seemed like the MP school was teaching a lot of uh, oppositional defiance disorder to their enlisted soldiers. Like, don't ever take a an officer saying I'm this. Your authority is greater. No, your authority is not does not outrank me if you're not in the right here and. I had yeah. to I had to square that little bitch away, but his boss to his to his credit 
that I met years later. He's like, oh my God, you were the you were the captain with a box full of dildo. <laughs> I'm like, I hope that's not my only, you know, like a uh, testimony. Like if you show up at my memorial, you're gonna go, this man had a box full of dildos in his back seat. <laughs> I have a related story I'll bring up some time down the road uh, regarding uh, tra- transferring posts that uh, I don't want to go into right now. But I want to. There's one other we thing got our other, we got our other podcast, the Barracks, to tell military stories too. So maybe we should hold fire on yeah. some of these. But um, but uh, as much as the image of the jumpers on 9/11 is an enduring memory, one of the things I think deserves to be an enduring memory were the folks on United Flight 93 that took down the plane before it could hit the White House or the, the Capitol building. Um, deciding on their own, they knew they were going to die. They, they rushed the cockpit. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they thought they were going to live because they watched some A-team episodes or watched Executive Decision and thought, hey, as long as I contact the control tower, they'll be able to tell me how to land the plane. Um, right. But regardless, they, regardless they, they took down that... Um, that plane and the hijackers before they did any more damage. I'm not sure it would have gotten close because I really do think the Air Force would have shot it down. Uh, Dick Cheney had already made the order to uh, have the planes right. that were approaching shot down. Right. Um, but that leads to one of the enduring legacies of 9/11 is I don't know if you how much you remember hijackings when you were little. I remember they happened every once in a while, like TWA yeah. 800, I think was one of them. Yeah, yeah, a couple yeah. others. The instructions, and Al Qaeda took advantage of it, but they can only take advantage of it once. Was sit down, be quiet, and you know, eventually you'll be let go. Well, what Al Qaeda did by doing what they did is they ensured no hijacking will ever be successful ever again because passengers, just out of survival mode, are going to have to assume that whoever takes control of the plane is going to crash it into something. Right. Right. So they'll go down fighting regardless. So all these folks who were, you know, want to get terrorists freed and want to fly to Cuba or something. Sure. They're not going to be able to do that anymore because once you hijack a plane, the, the passenger will be like, fuck it. You know, I'm, if I'm going to die. Then I'm taking you with me. That's a good point. Cause I grew up in the seventies and eighties and there was a ton of like, I grew up watching a shitty, like 19 inch uh, black and white TV for most of my life. And there was a lot of movies about hijackings back then. Like, and it was always like, you know, be calm and you won't be hurt that kind of thing. And they were trying to get something out of them. I, I remember um, specifically, what was the, what was the movie I was just thinking of? Um, airport 1975. Airport. Thank you very much. And then, and then you got to look at the, uh, the whole term Stockholm syndrome came out of an airplane hijacking situation. And that's in the, that's in the, you know, psychology vernacular, you know, of, uh, of, yeah. of a hijacking where it wasn't about, you know, using the plane for destructive means, it was using the plane for financial means. Yeah, it was a lot different back then. So, and there were anyway, a rash of them in the seventies and early eighties. Yeah, there there really was. And then, you know, and then of course, um, um, the whole nineteen seventy three Olympics uh, or uh, seventy two seventy two. Excuse me, I, I Munich. To myself, I was thinking you said you said the uh, plane thing, the Munich thing. Yeah, no, it, it 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 was it was kind of a thing back in the day, and then of, of course up here in the Pacific Northwest, DB Cooper is still a legend up here yep. because people still think he's uh, he he successfully bailed out, not far from where I'm at, by the way, just a few miles I, from where I'm at. I'm pretty sure he died. He pretty sure he did too. Um, I think bears and cougars ate his corpse when he got yeah. when he got torn apart by the uh, 
the the what what do you call that effect when you jump out of an airplane and sheer force? I think something like that. Yeah, yeah, sheer force. Sheer. I think you're, you're, you're yeah. an airborne guy. I'm a Cav guy, so you would know more about that than me. But. Well, look, I look. It makes a really cool story about some dude with balls enough to try to jump out of a out of a aircraft thirty thousand feet with a bunch of money. But, yeah. You know, again, reality intrudes. Um, it, a quick side note about the 1972 Olympics and the massacre by the Palestinian terrorist group known as Black September. If you remember. The Israelis took about 10 years, but they hunted down every one of those fucking terrorists and killed all of them. All of them. All of them. There's a there's a great movie about that. Yeah. You ne- you hear the words never again in everything the Israelis do with stuff like that, because they're like, hey, look, we went through a genocide once. We're not going to let you even get an inch. That's why I still say that if Iran gets within half a mile, gets within half a mile of an actual atom bomb, the Israelis mm-hmm. are going the other way first with their own. Yep. Those motherfuckers have been within a genocide many times in their history, and that's why they're so balls, you know, and I have nothing but respect for that society and that culture, although they're that COVID thing they're handling pretty badly. Let's transition, though. Um, um, I know we didn't intend on doing a half hour on this, but let's let's talk about um, my least favorite officer in the entire Department of Defense, General Milley. Let's talk about him a little bit. Um, Let me I'll just say this. I know you've got a lot of thoughts about this. This was your, this is kind of, this is kind of your, uh, your day here. If he doesn't resign soon, then what the fuck? He, he, he is violating the oath of office in my opinion. So please, please go ahead, Russ. All right. First I'll state for the record. Millie is a treasonous son of a bitch. Um, and I mean that in, in a couple of different ways. First of all, Going behind the president's back to talk to folks about the so-called procedure because he thought he had concerns about Trump. That's, first of all, a textbook definition of sedition. Um, but when he now, again, we still need to find out. Let's get his ass in front of Congress. Um, if the conversation that Woodward said happened, happened. Now, let's be fair. Woodward has had some accuracy issues in the past. Yes. yes. Um, so he may have stretched the truth on that. Yeah. But if. The conversation as uh, as recounted actually occurred where Milley supposedly called up the Chinese and said, we would let you know in advance if we're going to attack. That is the textbook and legal definition of treason. Now, the founding fathers intentionally made uh, charging someone with treason difficult because back in the colonial days, if you said a bad word about the king, the Redcoats were going to charge you with treason. So they made it very hard. Yeah. The Constitution is defined as uh, limited to providing specific aid and comfort to an enemy in a time of war. Um, But if you say you're going to provide our enemy and China is an adversary or an enemy, however you want to define it right now, um, the knowledge of an impending attack, whether you agree with the attack or not, that is treason. And let's remember that it wouldn't have been President Trump or General Milley or anybody at the Pentagon suffering the consequences of that advance warning. It would have been, let's assume for a second that Trump had been crazy enough to do it. He wasn't. He wasn't even close to attacking China. This right. is another paranoid leftist fetish fantasy, the same kind of stuff they used to have about the Russian collusion, which turned out to be bullshit. Um, but let's just say Trump was crazy enough to do that. Um, it would have been the initial folks going in in the fighter bombers, the airborne folks, and the naval landing craft that would have taken the brunt of the advance warning. It would not have been Millie. It would not have been Trump. So um, 
Milley showed a complete disregard for soldiers, for his own soldiers, uh, by even bringing that up. Um, the next thing, going back to this leftist fantasy praise Trump, you know, my own issues with Trump. I think he's a blowhard, got no filter between his brain and his mouth, what he thinks he says instantly. I mean, he doesn't have any discernment on what he's going to bring up. Um, but he's not crazy enough to go start a war with another nuclear power based over nothing. I don't care if he was getting voted out of office or not. Um, but he is constitutional authority. He is the commander in chief. And if, um, if you want to make a decision like the decision that Milley made, then you know what? He needs to get his ass on a ballot and earn 270 electoral votes. Until then, he needs to shut the fuck up. He is a dunce. If you one of the most poignant pictures I have seen over the last week or so was a picture of Eisenhower who had like three or four ribbons on his uh, class A jacket. And it says led Operation Overlord and the Norm- in the Normandy invasion. And then it has Mark Milley with the, the salad stacked up like he's a third world dictator and says managed to lose a war to a bunch of eighth century barbarians. <laughs> um, it's, it's amazing to me that. You know, Navy, the Navy football team went 0-2 and fired their coach. U.S. Army just lost a major war, and nobody except those that criticized it uh, got fired or faced any discipline. If, I'm, I'm still stressing, if this stuff about Millie is true, he should not only be fired, um, he should be brought up on charges. Now, obviously, Biden won't do that. And the left right now is all happy with it because they did you know, it supposedly Millie did what he liked, what the left liked. So they're cheering it on. They wouldn't have been so sanguine cheering it on if, say, Millie in four or five months decided that President Biden was losing his mental faculties, was a little bit too senile, and went behind President Biden's back and did something like that. I bet you they'd throw a shit fit. And on a personal note, real quick, one of the stupid motherfuckers I saw on CNN was a retired lieutenant general by the name of Mark Hurtling. Uh, say okay. that name again for me, please, Bo. You broke up. Lieutenant General Mark Hurtling. Okay. Hurtling. He was he was the commander of, I believe, the 1st Infantry Division. Um, it might have been the 1st Armored Division. Yeah, I think it was the 1st Armored Division out of Europe before it came back to the United States. Uh, I served briefly with him when the 25th was relieving them in place in Iraq. Um, and he made a good show of being a warrior. He has, in the years since, shown himself to be an absolute moron. First, when he was talking about the Second Amendment, and he said he, you could fire your uh, AR-15 on full semi-automatic, like that's a, a fucking thing at all. Um, and then he full semi, full semi, real potent. Yeah, just Google full semi-automatic and see what comes up. Hurtling is an idiot. Yeah. Um, and then he's praising Millie for what he's saying here, undermining the constitutional order, something that he took an oath to defend. Mark Hurtling, if you're listening to me, go fuck yourself. You need to be, you know, just jammed under history somewhere. This is absolute bullshit. You have shown yourself to be a charlatan, a fake, a phony and a fraud. And General Milley, you are as big a fucking fraud as as anybody else. You should be brought up on court martial charges and fired. And you better pray Republicans don't retake the presidency in 2024. If the Republicans retake the presidency in 24, regardless of who it is, I'm still hoping for DeSantis, although I'm getting this bad feeling that Trump's going to run. I'm going to say if Trump gets the nomination, I'll vote for him, but I, I really would prefer he not run. But still, 
Um, regardless of who takes over in 2024, they need to go in and clean out the Pentagon. Everybody three star and above needs to be fired. Um, and you need to start promoting younger bucks um, and uh, younger women to get into command positions who you do not have to worry about their loyalty to the Constitution or the country based on who is in office. All these fuckers who are up there at the three or four star level right now all need to lose their jobs. They won't under Biden. But if a Republican gets in there in 24, they should fire everybody. Rant over. Yeah, thank you. I I am I am still wondering where this came from, Russ. I mean, these these folks that are now like Millie and all these folks are still in our, our peer group. Um, I've met some bad officers. You and I both have. I don't think either you or I are one. Um, we had like one at UC Davis that I replaced. <laughs> I'll just say that out loud if you remember him. Um, mm-hmm. But he was California National Guard, so that doesn't really count. Um, I don't remember this. How did they get to this level? I think I, I, I don't necessarily want to get into this now. I think this is a discussion that I want to pursue on the barracks. I've got a couple of people uh, who are still in the army that are interested in coming on our other podcast, the barracks podcast that will talk to us about what the army looks like now. How do we get to this point in the department of defense um, where general Milley, you know, I'm surprised he even rose to the level he's at. Cause he just looks like a fucking like the guy who would be like the superintendent in a slum Lord sitcom TV show. I mean, he does. He just it looks like Archie Bunker's, you know, slightly more deformed, stupid cousin. Yeah, he does. He does. You're right. He does. And I'm I'm, I'm surprised that he even rose to the level that he's in. He and he's not an intellectual. I listened to the man speak. He He's not a smart man. I mean, there there's I, I don't know. I don't know how that that happens. I, I no, we do. We do. You know, politics and all that stuff. But to get to that level, I mean, a lot of people. Maybe there's less, con- less concerned about white rage and more concerned about war fighting than when they lost Afghanistan. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, it wouldn't have mattered with the administration we have in there. It's it's yeah. uh, the, the hegemon that we have. It's not even an administration. It's a hegemon. Um, you have a totalitarian president and. God, it's funny how the the uh, that smart, sharp vice president that they that they brought on board because of her keen eye on you haven't heard from her. And I, I, I don't hear a fucking thing from her these days. They they have put her in the stable. They know that she they know that the Joker and her laugh turns people off. She's got a lower she's got a lower approval rating than anybody in government right now. So they have to hope that Joe Biden stays in there and nothing happens because if Kamala Harris gets in there, you know, the mask is off. The the big benefit to Joe Biden is he presents the grandfatherly, you know, you know, clumsy old harmless uncle Joe, grandpa Joe, not going to do anything to you. Nobody believes that anymore. Nobody. He's still promulgating the policies. Kamala Harris, she is the mask ripped off and she is the joker you know, yeah. just listen to that laugh. Whenever she gets nervous, it's <laughs> he, no, nobody believes that anymore about him. Everybody knows. I mean, so his his uh, and and I don't think we have we we don't have time to get into it tonight. But his statement when he said, "I'm losing my patience," that was yeah. I want to say something. I've heard that. an American president, no matter how much I disagree with them, ever say anything like that in my life. I'm losing my patience. Fuck. You, Joe Biden, you work for us. Right. You don't lose your patience with Let's, us, the American people. We leave. We lose our patience with you, you elected cock 
fucking sucker. You fucking demented piece of shit socialist. You've never done anything in your whole life. You never had an entire, you never had a job. You've never had a job in your entire life. You've been in politics your whole life. You have no idea what it's like to be here and be pissed off about something because the policies that you, that you didn't vote for or voted for it never affected you because you're in this protected class called Congress or Senate or president or whatever else. Fuck you for saying that you're losing your patience with us. You know what motherfucker, you know, what, motherfucker, we, I lost my patience I was, you 20 years ago because you've been a shit bag the entire time you've been a, a yeah, I, I wanna, that was the most offensive thing I've ever heard from a politician in my life, bro. Yeah. I want to say two things real quick about the man who has been in elected government office since four months after I was born. Um, and I'm, you know, now 48 years old. Um, first of all, um, you and I, I, we don't have time to get into the whole thing right now, but I do want to say you and I, you know, both know that we're both very pro vaccine. All right. We believe in the vaccines. We believe in this vaccine. We understand there's some loss of efficacy with some greater um, as it starts to mutate as with any virus, but it's extremely effective at preventing hospitalization, especially death. So we're very pro vaccine. Mm-hmm. However, I'm also very anti mandate. Yes. Um, I do we not want the government coming in. Well. Yeah. You, and people don't seem to understand you can be both pro-vaccine and anti-mandate. And there's a whole list of things behind once, that. As I always say, two things can be true at once. Yeah. I mean, we we probably need to devote an entire hour to this particular speech. Maybe we can do that the next podcast. Um, we talk about the differences between this mandate and other mandates and private businesses and whatnot. Uh, but the second part of this, um, and this is my this is one of my big fears. Um, you have heard me and, you know. I am not a conspiracy guy. You know that I'm not one of these extremist wackos. Some people may think that, but I, I you know, try to be nuanced and a little bit more reasoned in my stuff. <laughs> but I believe you've been following for the last five or six years, maybe a little bit longer. I have been screaming into the wind at almost anyone who will listen to me about the precipice I think we are at right now regarding the potential for civil strife or even, God forbid, an actual civil war in the United States. I wrote an entire book on this subject, and I said, all it's going to take is the right spark. Right now, it's called Schism. It's a good book. I read it. Thanks. Um, I, I I have been trying to warn about this stuff for years. I said, all it takes is the right spark. And when Biden was doing this, I said, oh, my God. Have we just reached that spark? Because he basically, at this point, you know, if you're going to get the vaccine, more other people may get the vaccine at some point as they, as it develops, <coughs> excuse me, um, as it gets more time and whatnot uh, of study. But for the most part, most people who are going to get the vaccine got it by this point, And those who are not probably are not going to get it by this point. Um, so basically he cast aspersions and tried to shame at least 80 million Americans. Mm-hmm. Folks, that's not small. We're not dealing with, you know, some subset of, you know, the uh, the FLDS or, you know, the, the Lone Star Republic. You know, 80 million Americans is a lot. Um, and, you know, I know that folks like Eric Swalwell may think that, hey, the, the government's got nukes. We can do whatever we want. Yeah, didn't your same government just have trouble in Iraq, lose both Vietnam and Afghanistan to folks with machine guns? Um, right. Don't, I, I'm begging from the folks. Eighth century, from people from the 8th century, as we're fond yeah. of saying. Yeah. Don't, don't push us over this cliff. 
if this thing blows up, people need to remember there are going to be no rules of engagement in a civil war. No. All right. It is going to be a bloodbath beyond imagining. And it's going to be hard. And anyone who has never been to war doesn't understand. I've been to war. And even I know I probably don't based on what could happen if, God forbid, this whole thing goes up in flames. And so we could talk more about this at length, but I had to bring this up because I am honestly nervous that folks are being pushed to the point where it is going to, you know, I don't know what the, it's going to be a tipping point, And I just don't know what the first wave is going to be. I hope, I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'm hoping cooler heads prevail, but, you know, expecting cooler heads to prevail in our polarized partisan climate is, I probably got a better bet at saying the Carolina Panthers will win the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, it's probably a safer bet. Let me tell you, let me, uh, without without being too pedantic or, or, or too, let me tell you where I'm at at this. I have thought a lot about this lately. You know, that oath of office we took, foreign and domestic, right? I will defend my country from all enemies, foreign and domestic. I think people like you and me have forgotten about that domestic piece. What does that mean? What does that actually mean? And it's actually starting to mean something to me at this point. When I see this country getting degraded, when I see this country getting, uh, you know, hoard out, when I see the core values of this country being violated, raped, and I'm not being too strong in that goddamn word, you know, by an administration and by a thought process that has no, no care about core American values. I am so angry, Russ, at what I'm seeing. I am so angry at all that. And I'm a I'm an intelligent guy. I'm an educated. You you and I are both educated. We we went through a lot of similar things, although, you know, I mean a lot of different things, but a lot of similar things as as army officers. But I'm to the point now where I get it. I get the anger. I get the you know, I, I'm out here in blue collar country and I see that people find the American flag and the blue stripe flag and the Confederate flag from their trucks as they drive down Highway 12. I get it. I get the anger. And it's it's I, I will tell you this. And this is a whole nother conversation. I don't blame the left for this because they're just the left. I blame the Republican Party. I blame the people that have sat on their hands all these years and watched us slip down that slope into this this glide because we want to get along and we want to be nice and we want want people to be inclusive and stuff like that. But we've given up too much, man. And, you know, I, 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 I have I have I have quoted that line in in Star Trek. Um, whatever the fuck it first context so many times where Picard talks about, you know, this, line, this far, no father, no father. Yeah. And, and I, I'm at that point. I'm at that point. I'm not threatening violence. I don't want anybody out there to call the FBI or say, I'm going to go like go assassinate somebody, but it's time that we get the band back together. As I posted on Facebook recently, it's time we get the band back together. And that band is people who believe in Liberty. Now, is safety more important than liberty? No, not no, in a thousand fucking years, not. not in a thousand fucking context. Nothing, nothing is, is more important than liberty. Liberty is everything. That's what this country is born on. That's what I breathe. That is who I am. That's what I'm doing. My lifestyle is all about liberty. My lifestyle yeah. is all about liberty. And, and it's not easy. To go. It's not easy. Liberty is not easy. It's never been easy. It's gross. It's hard. It, 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 it means that you're going to be in conflict. It means that you're going to make decisions that may compromise your life or your family's life or something like that. But God damn it. 
we were the bastion of liberty at one point and we've lost it. And it's because it's not so much that the people that are safe and fat and happy and a bunch of goddamn pussies took it over. We let them take it over because we were trying to be nice. I'm sorry. I blame us. I blame us. I blame me. I blame Republicans. I blame libertarians. I blame all these people that fucking saw this coming back in the 90s when Bill Clinton was elected and things started sliding to the left. And and oh, God, oh, God, to have Bill Clinton again as president, because that was a he'd be a Republican now. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And 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 I, I'm just done, Russ. I'm done. I, I'm declaring that I'm done. And that's I mean, I, this podcast has helped me with that, but more needs to be done. Yeah, More well, needs to be done. A couple of things. First of all, I mean, obviously, the one of the most depressing parts is if it falls here in the United States, there's nowhere to go. I mean, right. we are we are where people come to for liberty, and if it falls here, the world the world will be in, will be uh, shelved in a, will be shelved in a darkness that'll last for a century. Right. Um, now, I do want to make two quick points about some of the stuff you were saying. Um, the first is I don't. Not to really, interrupt. Well, I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Do you want to see Blind Chicken again? No, I'm I'm good. I All kept right. my cool while you were going to the chicken. Right here, I could grab her if you want. All right. No, I, I had my fill of chickens. We had some in Kansas. <laughs> um, but two quick points. One, I don't think that those in power um, really get the, the, the level of anger the level of anger out here because they live in their bubble. Right. One of the reasons Trump was elected was because of that that uh, anger. Trump was a giant pulsating middle finger to the establishment and they did everything they could to get him out of there. And I, I don't my one of my biggest worries. and I've tried warning my friends on the left about this and they don't get it. They don't understand the level of anger out there. No, when they, they do see for real. It freaks them out. Now, again, going or to the level really freaked them out once or the, the level uh, of. A level of ammo and training that we have on that side, too, by the way. That's yeah, well, see, I'm not being funny. I'm not being threatening and saying that people don't realize that all the training and all the ammo and all the guns are on our set. So if it was, yeah, well, it's it's, it's I not think that's what freaked him out about January 6th. Um, now, first of all, January 6th, let's be honest, January 6th was 500 morons and imbeciles, you know, dressed in, you know, horns and and flag bandanas that did stupid stuff. All of them are in jail. All of them were arrested. They're all going to spend some time in jail, and they should. It was atrocious. But I think one of the things that freaked the left out, the left out was they thought, oh, my God, the right actually, because since they can't make the distinction between the 500 idiots that did stupid things and the rest of the right, they think it was all the right. They thought it was starting at that moment. They thought, oh, my God, we've actually pushed too far. And that's why they freaked out and really reacted to this. But they don't understand the level of anger that exists. I wish they would, because maybe it would entice them to pull back from the brink. The second thing, you mentioned the Republican Party um, and playing nice. One of the biggest complaints with the right side of the aisle is they're still trying to play by the Marquis de Queensberry rules. It's this is not a gentleman's game. The left is not playing by the Marquis of Queensberry rules. They're playing by getting the mud rules. That is right. one like it or not, no, like him or not. That was one of Trump's main appeals that look, I liked George W. Bush for the most part as president. But the biggest complaint about him was he would never fight back. He was too caught up in wanting to be seen as nice and civil. And that's yeah. great when others are nice and civil. But right. you know, I've, one of the one of the axioms of war, for lack of a better word, is when the other side 
ramps up the heat, you have no choice but to either surrender or fight back. Um, now, I realize we're not talking about it on a violent level here, but but regardless, if the other side chooses to up to, to up the stakes, mm-hmm. that's not your choice. You can be nice all you want, but if they up the stakes, you either surrender or fight back. And that was one of the reasons Trump uh, got elected was because he was willing to fight back. Now, he didn't sometimes he didn't know the difference between fighting back against, you know, a scourging enemy and fighting it back against the helpless baby. I always said he was he was a hammer in search of a nail. Like Ben Shapiro says, sometimes he hit the nail. It's great. Sometimes he hit the baby and it's not so great. Um, so if, that's, that's one of the reasons why DeSantis is so popular is because he actually has discernment on how to fight back. But damn it, he fights back. He knows what he's doing and he's intelligent enough to articulate it. And one of the reasons why there's been this populist revolt is because the Republican Party, its base has been like a hey, listen, you stupid motherfuckers, fight back for once, fight back. Um, and and uh, it'll maybe we'll actually respect you. But if you're not going to fight back, then we're going to elect some of the crazies like the Marjorie Taylor Greens. Look, Marjorie Taylor Greene is a nut job that, who talks about Jewish space lasers. But one of the reasons she's got appeal, like it or not, is she fights. Now, one of the great appeals of Dan Crenshaw is he is an intelligent fighter and he fights back a lot and he knows how to do it without coming across like a nut job. But right. if, if if you are very, very impressed with him for being somebody in the Navy, by the way, being that intellectual, it's pretty. pretty but he was a SEAL. So, oh, I know, I know, I know. I'm being funny. I'm being funny. I, see, I'll exempt, I'll exempt the SEALs from the rest of the Navy. You know, I, I have, a, you, you know, I have a total man crush on him. So, yeah, I think we both do. Um, if if we can get folks like him in, that would be great. But we need to lose the the Mitt Romneys and the Liz Cheney's um, and, you know, all the folks who are, well, let's play nice with each other. No, it, I, I did hear again. How about you know, we I be got, warriors? How about we be warriors now? Because our yeah, country's at stake. You, you know, I got a man crush on Ben Shapiro. Um, mm-hmm. And he brought up a very good point recently is one of the things that, you know, the divide between the rhetoric and what folks see, it can be looked at in terms of sports. Um, what I mean by that is, you know, you get the the Yankees and the Red Sox and they're duking it out. Maybe a pitcher will throw the ball at a batter. There'll be a bench clearing brawl. And then at the end of the game, they're all getting together to back slap and they're, you know, having drinks together. They're, you know, praying on the field together. And the fans of Boston and New York are like, what the fuck are you doing? We're enemies. We need to be going to town. And I think that's what some of the elites in Washington don't understand. They still think this is the 1950s where, you know, if, you know, we can we can bruise it up in public, but we're going to go have drinks down at, you know, whatever the club is in D.C. and have cocktails and we'll all be best buddies laughing about how we were bruising each other up on the floor of the, the House or the Senate. Meanwhile, the bases back in the country are like, hey, y'all aren't friends. I'm not friends with these people. You know, you need to be acting the way I am. And if you're not going to do that, I'm going to act some I'm going to vote for somebody who will act that way. And that's some of the stuff that's leading us towards the precipice. You're right. You know, politics never used to be life. It used to be a part of life. Mm -hmm. It was more, it was more focused on, like you said, you know, um, growing up in a small town in rural Washington state in the mountains, we didn't know who we didn't know who you voted for. We didn't talk about it very much. We talked about football. We talked about hunting. We talked about fishing. We talked about the news. We talked about the weather. We talked about what the best way to uh, raise zucchini. 
Yeah. What's um, the next movie coming out that I want to see? What's the next movie out? You know, um, um, how much we loved, uh, you know, Back to the Future, stuff like that. Politics was not an identity. And now politics is an identity. And and this is this is a Paul, this is a podcast I'd like to have you solely is talking about this. I think it is the breakdown of spirituality in America that's led to this point. I really do. I think, I think part of it. it. I think the crux of this is that there are there, there are so many people that rejected the idea of religion and God and spirituality and stuff like that founded in politics. Well, there's a human drive towards it. And if you're not going to go through religion to find God, you're going to make something else your religion because we are pre-programmed for it. You're right. That we could are, be a whole, we are. It's, whole it's podcast in our, It's in our DNA and, is, and, is, and I'm fond of saying, I've said it, and I think in three other podcasts to quote Master and Commander, men need to be governed, sir. But it's true. Uh, people need to be governed. People need a bigger thing to believe in than themselves. And the secular left and secular middle or whatever has found this thing called politics, which is their God now. Yep. Hey, uh, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back. We're going to talk a little bit about, uh, we're going to have three hot topics for you. And then uh, a little hot Marvel versus DC talk again, or no, not, no, no. Marvel versus Marvel talk. Yep. Marvel versus Marvel talk. Marvel versus Marvel talk. And we will be right back after these messages. All right. Welcome back to the two grumpy bastards podcast. Thank you for hanging in after all that. Jesus. I, I actually, actually, I, I tuned out. At some point during that diatribe, no, I didn't at all. So, Russ, this is the segment we call Three Hot Topics, and so it's your turn this week. You had the theme music, which I thought was amazing, the REM song, uh, End of the World as We Know It. So uh, let's say three hot topics. So the rules of three hot topics is you, we introduce a hot topic, the person gets to rebut, and then the person gets to, or no, gets to respond, and then the other person gets to rebut. So Go. Okay, well, we could spend an entire podcast on this, but just breaking today, um, the FDA has voted against booster shots for those under the age of 65. What do you, okay, so the FDA, and I'm, I'm still trying to find out what the Food and Drug Administration has to do with any of the, any, any of the administration of a, of anything other than having to do with rotten meat and and spoiled milk, that that, that ship sailed a long time ago. I know, I know. And so, and OSHA is now enforcing laws that don't exist. By the way, yeah. so I'll throw that out there in the in the mask mandate and the vaccine mandate and stuff like that. So, not okay. So they're not. I I know. I'm you you caught me you caught me with my underwear down here. Yeah, this is a breaking news story as of about an hour before we came on the podcast. Because um, I know the president was wanting to really push this booster shot thing. And the FDA was saying, hey, we don't have the data. We haven't evaluated the data yet. And, you know, him and him and Anthony Fauci uh, were were wanting to push the booster shots. Mostly, I think, to show the sexiest man alive, by the way, Tony Fauci, yeah, uh-huh. according to the London um, Post. He's a anyway. Um, the uh, they, they were trying to push this as, you know, show that they're doing something. They've been able to take more steps and probably exercise more control. You know, as we get to our, you know, 14th booster shot as the Omicron variant gets here. But the uh, the FDA voted 18 to nothing to say those over the age of 65 and at continual risk of exposure might benefit from a booster. 
but they voted 16 to two against recommending boosters for those under the age of 65. I'd be interested to see how the president and uh, his chogi boy, Anthony Fauci reacts. Yeah, me too. And we'll see how Jen Psaki spins it with her lies, 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 lies. Interesting. I will have to look into that. Um, I'm thinking the FDA is probably actually correct. And we'll see how the president responds, I guess. So that's that's all I got on that. Yeah, well, my thing on that is, look, you know, a big pro vaccine, but I also understand these things do take time to study, especially when they look at boosters. Um, we haven't for some reason we're ignoring natural immunity, which right. every study shows is stronger than right. vaccine immunity. Thirty seven of- times, thirty seven times stronger, by the way. And I have a primary source I can link all of you to. 37 times stronger natural immunity than 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 immunization. Yeah, but, but times. Some, some folks at the beginning of the pandemic heard about those rare secondary infections that occurred to those who already had it and they latched onto it and they're not letting it go. Um, so that's why they were wanting to promote this booster shot. It'll be interesting to see how the president and everybody reacts because folks said the FDA said, eh, maybe maybe we don't have enough data to you know objectively evaluate booster shots at this time. And let's also keep in mind the fact that when we got booster shots in the past, whether they were for anthrax or whether they were for uh, measles or Tdap or whatever, they didn't come this close together. The measles shots were a couple of years apart. So let, let's, yeah. let's and, and like I said, I'm big pro vaccine. And even I was like, let's let's pump the brakes a little bit on this booster shot. And luckily, the FDA agreed with how smart I am. Well, you know, I, I know I know a person. Actually, I actually know a person. He he grew up not too far from me. that got hit by lightning. I also know another guy that got mauled by a mauled by a bear one time while hiking, but we don't set policy based on that. Yeah, I'm just gonna leave it at that. Okay, second hot topic. Second hot topping, hot topping, um, hot topic that we were discussing <laughs> a little bit before this. In a phallic fiasco, a 15 year old boy in the United Kingdom uh, decided to try to uh, measure the length of his penis. And he did so by accidentally inserting a wire from his USB cord into his urethra and had to have it surgically removed. Well, um, two things. Number one, I use the lightning cable, uh, from my, U- from my iPhone to measure mine. So, because it inserts so much nicer and then, you know, of course I use the, you know, I, I sterilize it with some Purell or something like that. What the fuck? What? How does that even happen? Well, I like what, the way this article was written. It's from foxnews.com. It says, per the report, the embarrassed boy asked to speak to the doctors, quote, without his mother presence, present, where he, whereupon he confessed to his frightening escapade. And subsequent x-rays revealed there was a veritable Gordian knot of USB wires inside the teenager, which required insurgents to a make Gordian knot in his genitals and his anus to yank it out. <laughs> For those of you that don't know where the Gordian knot is, please, please, I'm not going to explain it. Just Google it. Alexander the Great. Um, no, well, you, you know, as as funny of a story that, as that is, and both funny and cringeworthy, could you imagine being the reporter assigned to write that story? We're just reading this story on FoxNews.com. No, no. I can imagine the guy laughing his ass off the whole time. Yeah, you're you're the reporter that pissed your boss off a lot when you got assigned to that story. You did. Well, I'm not sure I agree with that. I'm thinking that this was the reporter and his boss got together and the reporter said, hey, boss, you ain't going to believe this shit. Let me write about it. Yeah, maybe so. I was thinking it was like more like the reporter that hit on the boss's wife at the Christmas party or something like that. But, hey, <laughs> you might be right. You might be right. I, I, I don't even begin to understand that. It, oh, I, I'm just 
you know me and my mouth and where I can go. So I'm just going to let that go. So we'll go to hot topic number three. Hot topic number three. I have not mentioned this yet, but this should show you how stupid uh, politics and everything have gotten. Um, so Chicago is a shithole right now. Can we both agree on that? More people got killed in Chicago over the weekend that got killed in Iraq in or uh, Americans got killed in Iraq prior to our withdrawal in the last three years. Yep. That's and a lot the of that's because of the uh, the lack of prosecution and the violent gangs that uh, or, or or Mayor Lightfoot, the worst mayor in oh, history. But but she's who I'm about to get to. She has a she has a solution. You know how she's going to solve the violence and the gang problems in Chicago? She has decided no, to tell. sue the street gangs. <laughs> what the fuck? Are you fucking serious? I'm I'm dead serious. Um, this was on Fox 32 in Chicago that Mayor Lori Lightfoot has decided to sue the people who are pulling the triggers so that she can seize their assets and take money to eliminate their profit motive. And I'm thinking these folks are shooting each other in the street, and you think th- this is the epitome of the the bullshit culture we have become today where we think that we can just take somebody into court like it's judge Wapner in the people's court. And that's going to solve the problem because, you know, gangs are going to a show up to court and b definitely listen to the judgment as opposed to the city, just, you know, seizing the, the car of some poor 70 year old grandmother who happened to be nearby. And they say, well, that might just be a gang member's car. <laughs> well, she continues to be insane. Um, she, she looks like I, I, okay, so they so they got rid of the worst mayor in the country, but she's the second worst mayor. So when are they going to get rid of her? Um, she is literally the stupidest woman, other than AOC that I see in politics. Uh, Maisie Hirono doesn't show up very much because she keeps a low profile because she knows she's a fucktard. Um, so. Wow. Wow. She she lives in the most violent city in the world. And all she would have to do is go all fucking Rudy Giuliani to get that stuff back in track. Have neighborhood watches, do the broken window campaign, fund the police, have foot patrols, that kind of thing to reinforce to Chicago. We're here and we're going to kick your ass if you're if you're a criminal. But she's going to sue them now. Yep. Jesus fucking Christ. Okay, so it's not even her fault. To be fair, it's not even her fault. And I know I'm supposed to do like two minutes and that's it. It's the people that voted her in. Those are the people I blame. Just like the and I, I wanted to spend some time on the California recall tonight. We're not going to get to it because that's a huge, 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 huge yeah, subject. Next time. It's California, yeah, we, you're gonna get you're about to get what you deserve. Yeah, well, they and they've gotten what they're deserving. They, you know, I'm a rape victim, but I still want to go out with my rapist. Yep. Um, that's exactly what's going out here. And I'm sorry to be that fucking brutal about it, but that's exactly what's going out here. I'm a rape victim, but I'm going to go out on a date with my rapist. That's exactly what's going on in Chicago. It's going on in California. She's incompetent. She's a horrible human being. Um, she hates colored people. Is that or people of color? I'm sorry. I don't mean to be racist in saying that because her policies affect them far more than it affects anybody else. She's hurting the minority community with what she's doing because she won't take action. She, of course, everybody thinks that she's she's helping them. No, her she is she is hurting minority. Everything's gotten worse. Everything's gotten worse. 
And it's, it's tragic when what she's doing to the minority community. Yeah, it is. Oh, okay. Those are our three hot topics. So uh, to wrap up, do you want to, do you, do you want to do a, a few minutes on what, uh, what might be a little bit ugly here? Sure. I, I proposed this uh, last week. Um, I got called a nerd just a few minutes ago for proposing this um, when somebody found out it was some of the topics of it, but okay, that's okay. Hold, hold on just a second, because let me, let me, let me, let me break, break, break. Let me, let me bring on one of our loyal listeners over here who, who called you a nerd. This is one of our loyal listeners. This is my old friend, Jen. I've known her since, Hi. since I was literally seven years old. Come on, let's let's get in the, let's get in the I, put my feet on. All right. I'm at there. I'm at I'm at the Kelly Ranch with her and Tom. And uh Jen, why don't you give us just like uh, you know, you know, a little minute of your of your philosophy while you're on here with the two grumpy bastards. A philosophy on what? Philosophy on life. Awesome. <laughs> She's trying to put her shoes on because they're going clam digging. Because this is how I grew up. I am Really not going to touch the first thing that came to mind. No, literally, <laughs> literally clam digging. Like they go to the beach and they, you know, I don't know. You guys use shovels. You use the clam. No, it's a tube. The tube, right. The clam tube. Yeah. For those of you that grew up where rusted, he has no idea what we're talking about right now. But I do know what we're, ta- what we're talking about. But, you know, they, they have to really get paid to do that now. And you can go buy them in stores. Nah, it's more fun it's to more go fun out there. It's more fun to go. It is. So go ahead. So so are you? You just about have your. Uh, no, I got. And she's feet. she's wearing Converse. Uh, oh, first I thought you said you. Uh, first I thought you were going to say she's wearing condoms. Converse. I do. I wear them for earrings. Awesome. Actually, if you if you we're the, if you we're the same age, so I think she's way past that. Wearing, if you wear the condoms over your ears, you won't hear anything offensive. That's the way that they work. It's protection. Yeah. So Jen. So just a. Really? Are you gonna be keep couldn't really? This is some good pod right here. <laughs> this is the best. We're uh we're waiting for Jen to put her fucking converse all stars on. Ask me a question, I won't tell you so, the lies. So so the 80s uh, called, they want their shoes back. <laughs> you know, since you're one of the old school, you know, uh supporters of our podcast, we thought we'd make this special, but she's more interested in putting her converse beach. on. It's important. More important than Marvel versus Marvel. We're asking you for your philosophy of life. That's what we're asking. I don't know if I we're not asking for your Marvel opinion. That's our opinion. No, we don't need your Marvel opinion. Just give us, just give us your rundown on life itself. And life? like, yeah, yeah. Just give us good. What's your philosophy of life? Why you put me on the spot like that, Tony? Oh, she called me Tony. Yeah, Tony. <laughs> Anthony, how dare you? Hey, Go to your man. And nobody knows my real name on this podcast, by the way, asshole. So <laughs> I'm Coop. <laughs> so, so go ahead. Just, uh, just uh, what's your, what's your, just, just give us your freaking life philosophy, just in a simple couple of sentences. It's okay. You're not on the spot. We're not going to judge yeah, you. Yeah, you just put me on the spot. Well, well, then, yeah, yeah. then deal with. Ask it. a specific question. I don't want to answer. All right, that. Jen. How do you feel about liberty versus? Uh, the government giving you things. How do you feel about that whole thing? Is liberty more important than safety to you? Liberty is more important than anything. Well done. I know. 
<laughs> that if you had a child that said, I'm going to be a socialist and I'm going to, I'm going to go Che Guevara and wear a red beret. I'm going to walk around. Or a raspberry beret. Yeah. A raspberry beret. <laughs> Wrong person to ask. <laughs> um, so, okay. I'll get, I'll give you a specific question. So you've known me since I was seven years old. How, what do you think of me in like several sentences knowing me? Like, <laughs> go ahead. You be honest. Go ahead. I promise I was going to be honest. Bear start the backhoe. <laughs> He's going nah, the backhoe. Level headed at times. <laughs> That's it. You're crazy. Most of the time. Mm-hmm. He gets really happy when he gets flat tires. Had five and two months. Has it been that long? Yes. Yeah. So these folks live off grid. They they have solar and and diesel up here, and they have the most beautiful piece of property on planet Earth. Um, Huckleberry, when we visit, loves it up here because he chases cougar, bear, and elk all over the place. Yeah. And then they'll turn around and eat him one day. No, my Huckleberry. He's a badass. That's a that's a hound. That's a, that's a chihuahua going after a German shepherd, dude. That's, that's a tree walker coon hound. That's what he was raised to do. <laughs> do you hear him, Tom? It's a chihuahua going after a German shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else, Jen, to share with uh, two grumpy bastards? No, you nation? put me on the spot, and I hate that. Eh, well, you know what happens. Thanks for that discourse, Jen. I, I, feel, I feel more fulfilled now. What is, I he feels more fulfilled. I'm glad. I'm glad I could fulfill you. <laughs> and, and anyone who could fulfill me is great. <laughs> you should probably call his wife and give her lessons. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> My wife fulfills me just fine. You better take Tony's juice away, Tom. <laughs> no, I'm fine. So this is this is how these podcasts go. So anyway, let's go back to the the topic of Marvel versus Marvel. You go, sir. Okay, well, um, I have some very definite opinions on this. And to me, first of all, the best Marvel movie to date is still Captain America Civil War. It actually had some weighty issues in addition to, uh, you know, the good who's the good guy versus who's the bad guy approach. I make no apologies for being part of Team Iron Man. Um, I have that my philosophy on this is that no one should be unaccountable. No one is... So I didn't have so pure that they can handle absolute power and uh, do anything they want with the level of power the Avengers have. So I agreed with Iron Man. Um, and there at the end, if I yeah, noticed it took both Captain America and Bucky Barnes to finally overcome in the end, even though Iron Man was beating their ass. Um, I think Iron Man is the best Avenger out of all of them. And Captain America... Uh, as much as I love the concept, um, I think he's a bit full of himself and a potential tyrant. Okay, so that last sentence, thank you, sealed your fate. So you think Captain Still America fate, is the tyrant? No, I said a no, I said a potential. I said potential tyrant. When you have Tony Stark who is the most full of himself of all the Avengers by far, and it's not even close. Even Thor, who's a god, has a little bit of cognizance and and self-deprecating humor. 
And then it was Tony Stark that bought into the entire government scheme to say, yeah, we need to rein in you Avengers because you have too much power. And Captain America being an insurgent, which is what this country grew up on, which is insurgency, said, fuck that. We're not we're not going to do stupid shit because the government told us to. I am really surprised by you, Russ. I thought I thought the country the country was not founded on insurgency. The the country got the country got to it. Country got to its principles through insurgency, but the principle was on the checking of power, the checking of human ambition. And if there is an unaccountable group out there that is powerful, then they have the potential to be tyrants on this. Look, first of all, for you to talk about uh, you know the use of self-deprecation and humor, and somehow you know throw shade at Iron Man for that shows you haven't watched the movies. Iron Man is the most self-deprecating, humorous. Motherfucker in that entire group. He is incredibly awesome. Yes, he is arrogant. And you know one of the things I like? I like that level of arrogance because he can back it up. He is smart. Well, he's not just smart. He's brilliant. He is a great fighter. He's not He's not the most physically gifted man, but he knew how to take his intelligence and make him the best Avenger, which is one of the things why I appreciate his arrogance and his conceit because he can back it up. And that's something I love about some people. Um, but also... Uh, the Avengers had no accountability. If they, it reminds me somewhat of that horrible movie, Batman versus Superman, that, you know, they could have done anything they wanted. Fuck off. They could have done anything they wanted and no one could have stopped them. And as we're seeing during this pandemic and throughout history, rare few people assume absolute control thinking that they are the bad guys. They always think they're doing it for everyone else's good. And that's what Captain America and the Scarlet Witch and uh, the dude with the bow and arrow who has nothing else but a bow and arrow. Part of the Hawkeye. Yeah, I know who he is, but I'm just... Don't fuck I, with Hawkeye. Hey, real quick, just so you know, if they'd gone with the original casting choice for Hawkeye, he would have been a much better character. I don't know if you know this, but uh, Jeremy Renner was not the original casting choice for Hawkeye. I like Jeremy you, Renner, sorry. You, you might like... well. The next guy I have, I have a man crush on. I'll be perfectly honest about that. Is uh, Jensen Ackles, the guy who played Dean on Supernatural, was a really of course awful we both know him well. Guy. Yeah, he was really. A really I awful. did not know that. I did not know yeah. that. He turned it down because it would have interfered with the with the filming of Supernatural and would have taken him out of where his home was. Would have been interesting. Well, at least we get to see yeah. him in the in the in the second season of The Boys, where he plays Soldier Boy. That's going to be kind of fun. I'm not even familiar with that one. I'll have to see that. You haven't seen season one of The Boys on Amazon Prime? No, I don't watch Amazon Prime very often. Oh, my um, God, dude, dude, dude. It's like the greatest TV that's ever been created. You're you're totally missing out. Oh, I, I will. I will check it out. I mean, look, a lot of the times we go on you know, either Amazon Prime or Netflix, you know, we're pulling up Alf so that uh, my youngest can watch Alf because she's falling in love right. with him. I, but, I, OK, OK, Russ, just real quick, just a segue here. Just a little aside. The Boys. On Amazon Prime, it is the antithesis of the superhero ideal where superheroes are actually evil and regular people have to try to kill them to get back control. That's kind of the theme. You will love it. And the acting, it's it's fantastic. It's fantastic. I I will watch it. I'll try to watch it. It sounds a lot like if Captain America's group had won the Civil War. No, it's not like that at all, because you're forgetting that Captain America was the one that actually cared about his country and gave up his entire life and sacrificed his body and his soul and everything else to 
for the core values of the country. Tony Stark is just a he's just a, he's just a selfish kind of cunty guy. Selfish by giving up control. He uh, gave yeah. It. yeah, no, 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 no. And and when it got when it got to the Civil War, Tony Stark was like, "You need to do exactly what they're telling us to do, Cap." And Captain no, America said, was like, "Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm an American, here. and this is anti-American values that you're trying to shove down my throat here." No, first of all, just because he calls himself Captain America doesn't necessarily mean he's an awesome American. He's done some great things, but as Hardin said in The Dark Knight, "You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain." And Captain America had become the villain. I can call myself captain rock and body awesome that doesn't mean necessarily that i'm going to draw throngs of girls to me either okay he can name himself whatever he wants he went against the principle of checks and balances on unfettered power because he thought he knew better than everybody else i and i agree that he did actually i agree that he did because sometimes look oh okay okay i guess i guess i guess if you're going to subscribe to that point of view you should be wearing a mask and you should be you know yeah, because I don't have the power. I don't have the power to. That's authoritarian COVID. power there for you, Tony Stark. Hey, Tony Stark, wear a mess, Tony Stark. There you go, Look, Tony. You Stark. are completing, completely conflating the issues. No, I'm not. Okay. I'm not. This is where this is where our because first of all, the the mask wearing thing. I don't have any power to enact anything, whether I wear a mask or not. But this is where I think our fundamental difference. And I've had the same, not this exact kind of spirited conversation, but along the same lines with my own father. This is where I think our fundamentally different views of human nature come in. Um, And look, this is completely geek talk because I realize it's a movie and I bring my own values into the movie. I get that. But I don't view anybody to be as pure as people are saying Captain America is. I, I don't I don't have that view of human nature. I think human nature is eminently corruptible. I don't think that having experienced real power myself when I was in Iraq, I know how intoxicating it can be. And so I don't believe anyone is uh, is above the temptation of absolute power. And that's where my opposition comes down to. You have a different view of Captain America. Um, But if I'm this is where, you know, again, the geek talk in me. One of the things I like about the Marvel movies, look, it by Avengers Endgame. Yes, it had built up into this fantastical world, but it didn't start there. That was one of my problems with the Batman versus Superman movie. What I loved about Marvel was it built slowly and you could see how a guy could become. I'm going to kill you over that some other day. Go ahead. Well, look, it started slowly. You could see, okay, I can see how a guy could become Iron Man. Oh, I can, I can see how a guy can become Captain America. Okay. I can, I can kind of get how they could build Ultron. You know, it built slowly. So by the time it got to where it was, um, it, you know, you could accept it. That's one of the reasons why I like it was because for lack of a better word, even though this is a little bit of a stretch, it's realistic or at least consistently realistic within its own universe. But again, that's why I apply my own values to it to say that no one is that pure. No one can be trusted with unfettered power. No one should be above accountability because if they are, they are going. I mean, even in the Batman versus Superman movie, if you remember the uh, the dream scene, about when Superman had taken over and gone nuts and basically destroyed most of the world, you know, he was supposed to be pure and good. And he eventually in that scenario, it looks like he might have cracked. I know that they got to play that out sometime later, but that's why I say no one is that pure. Eventually everyone will corrupt, which is why I don't believe in giving anyone unfettered power and lack of accountability. 
And I don't think Captain America wanted unfettered power. He just didn't want to be told by a biased body how to go about his business. And I think he was he was a constitutionalist. He loved America. I think Tony Stark was just a selfish fucking prick who did what he did for self-aggrandizement, although he was good at it. I think Cap was the only that person. He, is that why he sacrificed himself to bring back half the universe? Yeah, well, that 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 we're talking about we're talking about a different movie, though, bro. He's the same man. He grew. If you notice, he grew. You, let's go. Let's go back. Let's matured. go back. To he movies. matured. Let's go back to movies because if you remember, Captain America made those same charges against Tony Stark during the first Avengers movie. Talk about how he wasn't the guy to lay down across the wire and make the sacrifice. And then if you notice when. Uh, the when Loki's team blew up part of the the helicarrier, uh, Cap, it was it was Iron Man that got in there and potentially sacrificed himself to dislodge the metal and start the propellers going again. And it suddenly Captain America saw, okay, maybe Tony's got more to him than his bombast. So that it would, he didn't mature into the end game thing. He always was that. He just covered it with a lot of self aggrandizement. So let me let me let me just break it down this way very simply. As my parting shot, Tony Stark voted for Joe Biden. Oh, bullshit. And Captain America voted voted for Donald Trump. All right. First of all, I don't think Captain America would have voted. Um, and <laughs> I do know that that Tony Stark was not going to vote for a guy who was going to take, you know, five hundred million dollars from him every year. No, he had got, I mean, he was all about ahead and letting the government take control of the Avengers. Hey, look, I don't know if I want your taxes, with- too, by the way. Why don't you put me in a nursing fucking home when we're at? Like he said to me that you are you are stretching this beyond the breaking point. Uh, not only did he, not only would he have not have voted for someone who would have increased the regulations on Stark industry and no, made sure that he could. No, he would have voted for Joe Biden because he would have fallen in line with all the other no. megalomaniacs that he, like like a like you remember Secretary Ross was there. It wasn't. It also wasn't like they were ceding it to you know the State Department. They were they were ceding they were trying to get power under some kind of umbrella agency of nations around the world. Now, could there have been a better oh, way? You like the UN. I'm, but, I'm sure you're a big fan of the UN, right? As, UN. as Winston Churchill once pointed out, democracy and representation are the worst form of government in existence, except for every other form out there. No, I get that. Actual, you can get come up with an actual philosopher that, king but- that is pure then you know then you would have an argument but because of the corruptible nature of man everyone has to be accountable to someone everybody's always accountable to someone and i think captain america was always accountable to to the 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 constitution and the big picture of what america was no cuz he could have told tony them- stark was accountable to the people that wanted to take over the avengers tony, tony stark, stark is was making person. sure that the avengers and rule the world the way that apparently Superman wanted to, and Batman was trying to stand his way. Yep. Well, no, I disagree. Um, and you missed the entire point of Batman versus Superman too, but that's all right. We'll <laughs> we'll debate this another time. <laughs> I I got I got to get off. This the, is some good nerd talk. Uh, you think? You think? I got to get off the horn here, brother. Um, hey, all you all you women out there that are just amazed by my intellectual discussion of Marvel movies, I know you're hot right now. Try and calm down a little bit, okay? This is why I knew who the perfect strangers were on Friday night. There's a lot of moist going on out there right now. <laughs> I doubt it, nerds. All right, brother. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna we'll uh, we'll. 
<laughs> it's a debate for a different time. We got so much to talk about. I was well, I'll hit you up in a couple of days, see if we can do this again. That'd be kind of cool because yeah. there's there's a lot that I got on my notes that I wanted to talk about. Uh Gavin Newsom, some other kind of things. So um yep. and then we have we have a we have a barracks podcast to do as well. <laughs> and I I just look out the window and I'm watching my my hound hump another hound, which is that's amazing. Um that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently they like each other. Um she's blonde, he's a hound. Yeah, shit happens. This works, Lady in the Tramp. That's right. All right, brother. Hey, it's good, it's good to see you again, my friend. Good to see you again too. We'll we'll do this again sometime soon. That's All right. Great. <sighs> Thank you, man. Out here.